Hi, welcome to The Courageous Mama. I hope you've had a great week. Here's a little story from my week. Have you ever had one of those moments when you're bursting with news and you're desperate to share it and you do and then, ooh, it falls flat? Well, one of ours had a moment a bit like that this week. He's been saving for a hoverboard forever. So imagine his delight and excitement when it arrived. Well, all news here is quickly shared with my mum, Gran, who's always enthusiastic to hear their highs and their lows. So he couldn't wait to tell her. Gran, I've bought, drumroll, a hoverboard. Wow, says Gran, kind of trying to match his tone of delight and excitement, probably slightly bewildered as to what that might be. And with all sincerity, she then goes on to say, how far above the ground does it hover? So we're not quite up with Back to the Future yet, but it sure makes his emptying the dishwasher faster, even if I do get nearly mown down in the process. On a completely different note, today on the podcast, we're talking about you. How are you doing? I mean, really, how are you? My guest this week is asking that question. She's Zoe Dickinson. She's a coach. She worked for a relief and development charity for 14 years and qualified as a coach within her corporate life and now as a mum is self-employed and she coaches individuals who work in a corporation or for themselves and has a particular heart for mums who are juggling that work-life balance. Is that you? After our podcast conversation, I caught up with her and it was great to be able to ask her a couple of questions myself, actually. She encouraged something out of me that helped me to look at something in a different way and it was just what I needed. Recently, Zoe put a questionnaire together for her clients and friends and she wanted to find out how they were, what issues were burning. So I started by asking her what her findings were. interesting because I had some expectations of what I thought might be some of the challenges of juggling work and family life. Possibly a lot of them went through my own personal experience but I had a sense of but maybe I've got that wrong but for a lot of mums I think one of the things that I found the most fascinating so one of the questions was what's one of your um, greatest challenges about this this juggle that you're doing and I think it was the themes that came through was just neglecting looking after self so not having times of other things that fill us back up, that fuel us to do these things that are really important, the, the work that we love, giving ourselves to our families that we love, so we don't get lots of time to ourselves. We, um, you know, the mental load that we're carrying just of that juggle. And so just the theme was, it's, it's stuff that to do with self that gets neglected. Um, and I asked people, you know, for some words that would describe, you know, how do you feel as a working mum? What are some of the words? And a bunch of them were positive ones, like I think, proud, energised, thriving. And there were some of the ones, you know, exhausted, overwhelmed, busy. And I was, I was curious. I had a sense of how I would answer, but I thought maybe that's just me. Um, and you know, the the top three were busy, overwhelmed, and and exhausted. Wow. Yes. And a lot were proud, so you could you could tick several. So I want to say there was balance there, so you okay. could tick as many as you want. So a bunch, a lot of people would say I'm proud, but I'm very busy. But what I found most interesting of all, so about 54 women answered the survey, and out of those 54, only one would use the word thriving. 
And I just thought, oh, that, that, that for me is just, you know, we, we want to be thriving, don't we? So it's one thing we might be proud and busy or tired, but very few of us feel at the moment like we're thriving. Yeah. Wow, that, I mean, that's quite a result. Mm. We're all overwhelmed, <laughs> probably too busy. Yeah. And only one person in 54 is thriving. Yeah. So what, 2%. Yeah. So a lot are, like I said, feeling positive. You know, they enjoy. I think you know, one of the things I would definitely say is people are doing work. Some, you know, there's obviously a huge element of finance for many of us, but a lot of people, it's I, I love my work and there's fulfillment. And so I come back to the home or to parenting with a renewed energy and passion. And so there, there is a real love of work and, yeah. a, and a recognition that I still need this and want this in my life. But trying to do both is is hard. Yeah, I think it's just naming that it's hard. And we are in a culture, aren't we, where we have found that we can do things we love and get paid for them. But I think we have to work slightly harder yes. at finding those things, yeah. and then we want to maintain them, and mm. we do them because we also want the balance of family life. So necessarily, you have a few hat changes in a day, don't you? Yeah. yeah. So you then put a toolkit together didn't you of how can we self-care in order that we can thrive what sort of things went into your toolkit yeah I mean I tried to have some some themes so I guess it whether the word is foundations but I think in the toolkit I called them pillars um, and I think it's worth recognizing there's some key things that if we want to be I'll use that language of thriving again if our well-being is is in a good place there's a few key things that need to be there and I they are under the umbrella of one pillar is um, physical How's our physical health? How is our mental health? How's our emotional health? And how is our spiritual health? And for some people that might be different language, how's your soul? But just saying for, for most people, you know, and under those comes a lot more, you know, but those are the four areas that say, you know, if we wanna, sometimes you use the language of doing an MOT, you know, today our car is having an MOT and, you know, and it's, it's all about saying, it's, it's a check-in, isn't it? To see what's under the bonnet, what's, What's the stuff that if you just kept on driving, you wouldn't really know was going on until you mm. hit a problem when you're flying down the motorway? And I think it's a, it's getting a bit of that of when we are carrying so much, we rarely have long enough to stop to go, how are you really doing? How are you doing? You know, we don't often sit down for a coffee the phone again. How are you doing emotionally? How are you doing mm. physically? We don't ask ourselves that. And so the toolkit was just trying to get it. You know, give yourself some time and space to look under the bonnet a bit and going, what, what's going on? What's some stuff? You know that you could change quite small easy practical things you could do differently that might fill your bucket up and help you do work and family life with a bit more ease or a bit more energy and what would some of those practical things be because i'm just sort of thinking on top of my head that if i've got x amount to do in a day and self-care is one of my options <laughs> i'm going to fill the fridge and make sure dinner's organized before i'm going to think well actually I'll do some self-care and they can all have a bowl of cereal for dinner <laughs> so practically what do you do about those things I think two things come to mind and I don't think there is any silver bullet it's hard but I think one of the key things is intentionality so for me what I love about coaching is and I particularly have enjoyed coaching where you go out for a walk and you're in different scenery I think there's something about stepping off that treadmill of the everyday urgency demands meals food shops and taking a step back and going what do I actually want what are the big things that are important in our family life to me as an individual to our my career what are the things that matter most what's the big vision what are the values I want to live by mm. and so saying actually I want to be healthy so that I can do those things well would be a value of mine in many people's 
and I think it's it's looking ahead so when you look at you know your your week ahead or your month ahead I think it's putting in some of those things that really matter first and mm. then kind of arrange it so I think I and I think a lot of us put the other immediate urgent daily demands we react so I think it's about being proactive about what's my vision for how we want to do life as a family and, and career how do what, you know what matters what are some of the values that are important and then make sure those pieces go in first so if that's you know I don't know you know going for a walk getting some fresh air or if that's doing some stretches whilst you know making the dinner I don't I, I think so there's something about thinking in advance and thinking big picture and then stepping back into that so you're being proactive mm. rather than reactive to what the day throws at you but then I think the second thing I would say is not devaluing the small things that we can do so I think maybe it's just me but we think you know, I've got to go for a run or I've got to do you know x amount of fitness this week for example and actually you know a five minute stretch in the morning so for a phase sometimes when I can I try and wake up a bit earlier before everyone else and I find that really helpful and I used to do a few minute stretches while the kettle boiled but I actually really noticed the difference for doing that yeah just I did a little because bit. I've I've got to a stage where I feel quite stiff in the mornings and so mm. I was noticing I just feel stiff and that makes me feel tired during the day and I it's just one example but it's about you know I've read quite a bit about habits when you tag you know something new you're trying to do onto something you already do every day like boil the kettle and make your tea you're much more likely to do it and it's it's saying I'm not going to do a marathon but I am going to stretch every morning and I'm going to maybe stretch in the evening and I think sometimes we we make whether it's fitness or you know eating good food we make it more complicated than it needs to be we don't always reward ourselves for making incremental differences yeah. do we and yeah. I know I'm looking quite a lot at food intake at the moment and mm. switching over you know from dairy to non-dairy and mm. eating less meat and I've literally focused on one thing yeah. run at it for two months and then thought right I'm ready to think about the next thing now because yeah incremental changes work better don't they and that's exactly it yeah Yeah. it's a lasting effect but tagging them on that's interesting because I had um, Louise Romano on the podcast a little while ago and she does women's health and she was saying that if you strap your pelvic floor moments onto your brushing your teeth moments, you're there you more go. likely to do <laughs> yeah, them. Exactly. It's little things, isn't it? It is little things. Why do you think we're all so overwhelmed? I do. I think there's a, a few things. I think um, you know, so, you know, having our phone that means we are contactable all the time. We are more available. Life is more twenty four seven than it has ever been. Mm. And within that, we are so we can be contacted more. You know, by the time you know you wake up, within five minutes, you might see, depending on how you use your phone, how many WhatsApp messages you've got, what emails you've got. You know, all the reminders. You, I use reminders on my phone. Oh, I've got to pay that bill. I've got to do. And within five minutes, think how much mental capacity that's used. Mm-hmm. And I think so. It's that we are constantly available, but I think social media plays a part. We're more aware than we've ever been of what everyone in the world is doing or mm. our friends are doing and so there's all that kind of extra capacity so I think comparison comes into it and I think we're just there's a lot more more balls in the air and so trying to carry all of those I think has a huge effect on our our mental and emotional health. So how do you help an at-home mum who's building a business and she's got all these tabs open in her brain and these things need doing don't they? Yeah. And she's overwhelmed. You know, what what would be the things that you would go for? 
I would definitely go for, I'd go back to that, Get let's get you out of your everyday context and take some time out. And that feels costly to start with. So I think mm. there is always, if we want to make any big lifestyle change in any area of our life, there's going to be an upfront kind of, I've got to find some time for this. So I'd say, let's get you out of your everyday context and think about, you know, the analogy of the jar. What are the big rocks? What are mm. the things that have to go in first? You know, so, you know, all the practical tasks that might need to be done in terms of house or career or health and well-being. What are the key bits that without those, nothing else functions? And there's lots of other little rocks and sand that might go in that, you know, are the things that would be nice to have or the oughts and shoulds. And I think some of us hold ourselves to a very, I include myself, it's a high standard in each area of our lives mm. and going, what are the must-haves? You know, what matters most? What things need to happen? So that, that stuff about vision and values, what's your vision for family life? What are some of the values you want to live by? And what does that mean in terms of your health and well-being? So the thing I would ask every client to start with is, how are you? And do a bit of some of this MOT stuff of what's working. So some stuff you might have got nailed. What's working well? Um, you know, it might be some from you know rhythms for health, or it might be you know I've got the juggle of of work hours and how that slots. But I'd say where for you is the pressure point? What do you want to change? Mm. And then really think about some small practical changes that you can start to make because for everyone it you know the pressure point is it is slightly different and it's yeah. working out what for you do you want to shift first right and then of course like you say there is no silver bullet and most mums well they want their instagram to go up to a million they want their you know their readership to improve and how can they do all of that and look after their children and you know maybe aging parents and other factors as well I mean do you think there are sort of some points towards success or I don't I don't, I don't think there's points towards success necessarily I think it's working out some of it's we talked about season so you know you described and I think I find myself in the season at the moment of you know start you know running a business but start at that point where I want to build it and grow it but my son's about to start school that's a big shift for us we're about to move house my parents are aging and need more support and it's I think there are times when we have a collision of, of many things mm. and that's just a, a it is what it is that's out of our control and so I often like to say to them what okay within that what is within your control what can you influence mm. and it's trying to remind us that we have choices you know so you know yes I would love um, my business to be thriving and to be making double triple what it is but in the season that I am currently in and the month that I'm currently in that is not going to happen and so I've got I've got choices about what I give my emotional energy to whether they get really frustrated by that or or there's a lot I think about accepting limitations I often chat to people about this of what are the limitations of the season that you're in and I'm not saying every time it has to be career but you, you we can't have it all can we so it's just going for this season what needs to give and accepting it might be temporary and I think for me, when I name, you know, or for a client, you name, this is just for a while. This isn't forever. For a while, I might need to do a little bit less, you know, you know on my work, or I might need a bit more help with school pickups. But what what can I do differently? What's within my control? And what is without my control? And I just need to accept that is what mm. is for now. And a lot of that is emotional content, isn't it? Mm. It's worrying about 
what you're not doing, worrying about what's not growing and you yeah. know, how long do I keep this up for if nothing's going to change. And parking those things can be difficult, particularly if you've connected your success to your identity. Do you come across that quite a lot? Yeah. So I think, you know, I think identity is a foundational piece. And I th- I think for a lot of us, I know in my own life, we can, we, we think like we've got it okay. And we, you know, but it's not till something changes that maybe it highlights where we've put our identity. And I remember I found that when I had a career for 14 years, and then at the same time as ending that career and starting slowly my own business, I moved to where I live now, Cheltenham, and and suddenly I had to sort of meet a lot of new people and they everyone says, oh, what do you do? And I found it mm. harder to articulate what I did. You know, when I used to say the name of the organisation where I worked, everyone knew and everyone could put me, oh, you do that. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know what a coach does and trying to articulate who I worked with because I was new to it was hard. And so I suddenly, I wouldn't have said I had a massive issue with identity, but actually when I changed my work, I realised I'd put quite a bit of identity in the career that I had and the title that I had and the Mm. income that I had. And so I think it is, it's going, you know, trying to peel back the layers often like an onion, isn't it? And go, is my identity and what I achieved today? You know, that was a big thing for me when I was first with a newborn of, I like to, I've discovered more than ever, I like to get a lot done in a day. And when I don't, I find that quite hard. So for me, you know, there's achievement, there's possessions for some of us. It will be how nice the house looks. It will be, you know, for others, it's what other people think of us. And when we put weight in those other things, at some point that that's going to get highlighted and that, and again there's a choice there isn't there mm. if, if we put it in achievement when we've got a newborn you know whatever it is it's it's gonna be tricky at some point mm. we could riff for an hour on just identity could, yes it's so significant isn't it how we perceive ourselves when the things that we hang it on mm. aren't going well or yeah. look a bit different yeah that's a, and it's a journey, isn't it? I don't think it, it shifts overnight. No, it doesn't. And I think it's a lot about that acceptance. So for me, when I had a newborn and I, you know, I'm a to-do list person. And I think what I could get done in a day. And it was utterly unrealistic what I tried to <laughs> achieve in a day. But you can see what you think you would. Do you think it's, it's a tiny little baby? Sure. It doesn't, it doesn't move. It just sits there. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I was prepared for what was coming, the level of shift it was. I didn't feel many people were talking about it was one thing I found as a mum. You don't sit over a you know, coffee when you're sleep deprived with the other mums and talk about, you know, your identity shift, do you? And and so but actually that's the stuff I probably would have found quite helpful of. Yeah, I used to have a career and and, and now I've changed a nappy and that's a good day. (laughs) (laughs) That's a big day. Oh, I had a massive identity issue when I because I worked in the city and I was in finance and I really loved it. There was absolutely nothing of stockbroking that I could bring home. I suspect you could now. I mean, well, there wasn't even a thread of it I could have brought home, and I was really lost. Didn't know quite how to work out who I was. And as you say, everybody asks you, what do you do? You go, nothing. I, I can't really say what I do. I just try to sleep. Exactly. So we've talked about putting something in for yourself physically and given the example of going for a walk I'm sure that there's different things for different people stretching and so on mentally working out you know your identity and your balance and what your capacity is and so on what about the emotional and spiritual parts of your toolkit talk to me about those so under the emotional there's there's various things we can do um, to help our emotional health 
and I think the irony of a lot of the stuff under well-being it, it is it's not rocket science so for example you know under emotional health we all know that when we spend time with great friends it really it mm. nourishes us and it's mutual isn't it it nourishes them so that'd be one example another one would be doing things that you love you know things that you know you haven't done for a while so I've recently with my son rediscovered a love of, of drawing and colouring that I'd done for years and it's really? yeah so he then suddenly loves colouring so I've coloured with him and I've discovered I used to do this and I I find it really relaxing because it's sweet I don't have to think yeah. you know it's not I love reading but that engages my brain whereas so I think finding activities you can get yourself lost in but I think the key one that I would say I think can make a real difference is we hear a lot about and I'm a big believer in being grateful and mm. you know at the end of start and the end of the day what can you be thankful for and I think often when I say you know someone's go through a hard time and I say how you're doing they might describe what's tough but they say oh but I've got lots to be thankful for mm. and I think that's true in its wise, but let's be able to name the hard stuff. You yeah. know, it's okay that it's hard. And so I think under emotional health, I'd say, you know, whether it's the start of day at the end, always have gratitude in there. Because it is, it's what you focus on, mm. what's positive. But I think the danger is we shove the hard stuff. So if you're in a hard season right now and it's tough, when you don't name that, you're basically shoving it down and mm. it will bob up later. So it's not that spending hours each morning lamenting what's going wrong. <laughs> I think it's just about, I think our words I'd say are noticing and name it. So just notice, I feel a bit anxious this morning. So just note that down. I feel a bit anxious this morning about that conversation. Or I feel a bit upset. I feel upset about that conversation that didn't yeah. go so well. Don't unpack it. So just name it, notice it. And then, you know, that might be mine to come back to that another time. So it's not about making it, again, a huge exercise, mm. but it's acknowledging I'm, I'm worried or I'm angry or I'm frustrated or I feel restricted as well as, but also I feel grateful. So I think it's, you know, it's the two hands I'm waving them now. Of, yeah. I'm grateful for this. This is hard right now. They both exist in my world, but I need to name both to be emotionally healthy, I think. And do you think when you do name them, if you can't deal with them there and then, is it worth thinking, right, I need to make space to come back? Yeah, yeah. so it's recognising some of those need a bit more unpacking and I've got to come back to and I've got to create some space in my life to look at. Some are just noticing the niggles and the frustrations that probably in 24 hours won't matter, but this morning they matter and I feel mm. that, I'm carrying that. Notice what you feel today and then maybe check in, you know, next day next week of oh, that's still going on there's a bit more to unpack there yes. where can I take that right excellent and then spiritual that's another dimension that you talked about I guess that's different for everyone tell yes. me what you mean under that heading yeah so it is different for everyone so you know I'm a person of faith so I'm a Christian so what that looks like for me is um, in a real practical way in terms of these rhythms and habits we're talking about is is, is various things but the one I stick to them particularly at the moment is that time in the morning so I'm a big believer in in a morning routine um, I am a morning routine so I'm a morning person but a lot of people aren't that I've actually found it very valuable and it's, it's something about getting ahead of the day like we've talked about mentally emotionally or stretching but for me in terms of my faith you know it's where is my focus so as I start this day for me, is my focus on God or is my focus on the, the many things that I have to do today that, that, that are screaming for my attention, yeah. that conversation, that person I haven't got back to, the what's for dinner tonight, the email I need to send, the quote I need to do for that client. And so I, I immediately, quite soon within waking up, within an hour, don't we? All those things are kind of in our mind. 
And so for me, it's that quiet time in the morning. Mm. I'm a big believer in the importance of being still and being quiet. So I, you know, I've tried recently to just, the first thing I do is just be still for a few minutes and not do anything and just, you know, we've talked about noticing what emotions there are, naming them. And, but for me, it's prayer is, is part of, of, of my life. And so there's mm. that conversation. For mm. me, my faith is relationship. So there's prayer as a part of that time, mm-hmm. reading my Bible. And for me, that's about truth, getting truth in me at the start of the day. Mm. And that shifts my perspective. It shifts my focus. And so I go into the day differently on the days I do that. Mm. Um, and it, 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 I hope it changes who I am. Um, during the day and do you notice it when you don't have time for that for any reason I, I, I laugh. yes I do and I think my family do as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the, then that's the sign of, of something that's healthy isn't it that when you don't do it yes, when you don't exercise true. when I don't spend that quiet time in, in the morning um, I I feel different I can tell I'm a bit more a bit more grumpy or short tempered yeah. um, and I you know my husband will testify he would notice it too yes. uh, you know do you need some time when you're but it is yeah Yeah. those things make a a big difference you know wouldn't get up early if they didn't no you know we all need a reason to get up early (laughs) well that's i'm I'm a morning person too actually i really love getting ahead of the day and i can really relate to all those things that you've just said and i would say i'm much more easily agitated if i don't get my quiet time at the beginning of the day (laughs) but i want to touch on the fact that You've talked about being a coach, and it may just be my Instagram, but it does appear that an awful lot of people are becoming coaches very quickly. You know, become a coach in 10 minutes, you know, or get a thousand clients in half a day. (laughs) But you've done years and years of having coaching yourself, learning how to coach. For someone out there who's looking for a coach, what should a coach be able to bring? I mean, there are diff- I'd say two things. There's two. Di- there's different kinds of coach. So when someone's offering a specialism, I'll come back to that in a minute. But in terms of the term coach in general, I think one of the things that is underestimated in society, but in terms of a coach, is the ability to truly listen. And so I think when we say listening, we think of, oh, I heard what you say. And so I think it is a skill to really li- listen beyond someone's immediate words, to listen for what's behind them, to listen for hesitation for emotion for Mm. I notice you're not talking about this so can we talk about what's going on there or you're saying this but that doesn't connect with what you told me last week you really want to aim for in your life there's a disconnect there and so I think there's something about being trained genuinely to really listen I would Mm. say you know weeks and months of training are on how you listen and what you miss and what does it really mean to listen well Mm. so I think it's we, you know lots of coaches and I have them we have exercises and tools and things that might help so like you say whether you're a business coach or a career coach I've done career coaching myself you know you come with exercises and things that might help you know for example a well-being toolkit or experience in these things but I do think it is the um the training around understanding personality so a lot of coaches mm. will be trained in various personality types um, so there's, there's something around training in terms of the psychology of how we think, how we communicate, help, helping draw someone out. But I think it is the ability to not be a teacher. So coaches aren't teachers. So mm. I would say I see a lot of coaches that are um, more mentors and consultants. Okay. And so if you, I would often say to someone, if you're going to coach with me, what are you looking for? Because if you're looking for someone to tell you what to do, 
that isn't what I'm going to do. A coach's role is to, to draw out the, the best of someone, to see to see the glimmer of something yes. and to, to heave it out and, and help someone grow and develop. And when we tell people that might feel quicker or easier, but I don't think that's how people grow. Yeah. And so I, I've experienced it. It's why I fell in love with coaching. When someone makes space for you, and really make space for you you come alive and you grow a bit and I think you think in a different way mm. to you do in other conversations so I think the thing I love about coaching is people my clients will often say to me I have a conversation with you that I don't have with anyone else and I think I hope what they mean by that is I, I don't get the space to think like this and I think yeah. it's rare in our busy lives that we get space to think very well and when we do, we are resourceful. We have incredible ideas. You know, it's like when we go away on holiday and we're sitting on the beach by ourselves and we suddenly see we have perspective that we don't normally do. Mm. So I think it's a skill of a coach to, as well as all the tools and the experience. So if you've been a business coach, I'd expect you have business experience, you know. So I think there is bringing experience and you've walked the walk. But I think it is, you've had the training and the skill in terms of how to draw someone out mm. and offer the right tools that help someone understand themselves and that they can use to get where they want to be. Mm. So really paying attention and growing them, yeah, not growing. just having a structure to hang yeah. them on. Yeah, as I, I think I see coach, and I do believe in coaching packages that, you know, it's six sessions and, you know, I, I offer packages of six sessions, but you know it's kind of paint by numbers and people are all different mm. so where someone will you know someone will need to start in one place another person might need to start somewhere else because of their personality type or their journey mm. and I think it, being a coach is partly who you are and what you carry and your ability to see where someone is and how you can get them quicker to where they want to be mm. and I think that's a lot about how you make space for someone the wisdom to ask the right question at the right time mm. what's the question that's going to unlock change in this person rather than a, a clever answer so yes you are trained I've been trained in loads of different tools and exercises that will help someone do that but I think it's about who you've become through that training yeah. that I would say is it distinguishes a great coach from a good coach gosh it's so hard to almost put your finger on exactly yeah. yes and then in terms of tools you mentioned Myers-Briggs yeah so is that one that you favour or is that, um, or have you got a number of different things that you rely on? Yeah, I think the two that I would favour, I think Myers-Briggs is brilliant at helping us understand, I think it's great at creating a language around how we communicate, how we make decisions, mm. understanding ourselves, but particularly when we want to understand how we interact with others as well. So it's, you know, in teams I've used it a lot, but in a family, if, you know, if, if one person thinks in a very logical way and they make decisions by being objective and stepping out of a situation, and you've got another family member who's a real, in, in Myers-Briggs terms, feeler, high on empathy, emotion, and so they make decisions by kind of their values and feeling how the decision, you know, weighs on them. It's a completely different way. So I think it helps massively with those kind of things. Mm. I'm also a huge fan of the Enneagram oh come on tell me what you love about the <laughs> massive fan so I, mean, I have said I only discovered a, a year or two ago I was browsing a book at an event and everyone had been talking about it for years and saying to me have you done the Enneagram I'd be like no I've, you know, I've trained in my frigs and, and I think for me what I love about Enneagram it goes in at a deeper level Mm. And I think as a coach, huge amounts of what we help people is, is help them see how they are interpreting or seeing a situation. It's a, our mindset is huge. And I think yeah. Enneagram hits at that level of 
what's your view of the world you know what what are you believing about who you are mm. about how this world is that is shaping how you react decisions that you make and I think if you can work out the lens that you are, are wearing the glasses you have on to view the world and the beliefs you have you can really change a lot um, you know, you ask about what a coach does. If you can help people work out what lenses they've got on and what they are believing that might not be true, but mm. it feels very true to them because of their journey or their upbringing, mm. then I think you can see huge change. Yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. What, what are you on the Enneagram? So I'm an Enneagram 6. Are you? Yeah. I know less about the 6 because I'm a 1. I was going to say you're a 1. Yeah. I mean, the funny thing about the Enneagram compared to Myers-Briggs, you know, my sort of you know I'm one of those people who knows a little so I'm a bit dangerous but um, <laughs> I have noticed that the Enneagram digs into your limitations your kind of what you're not mm. which I find massively helpful because it's not just affirming you and patting you on the head it's saying you know this is what you're like to be around do, do you want to do anything about yeah. that Don't, are you aware <laughs> <laughs> so necessarily as you read the Enneagram think Oh, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be a one. I don't want to be a two. Oh, I don't want to be a three. <laughs> so I kind of remember when I finally realised I am a one. It was like, oh, can I be a seven? <laughs> well, I want to be a seven. <laughs> Everyone was. My brother-in-law's a seven. He always goes, everybody loves a seven. <laughs> but it, I, I heard someone say about the Enneagram, and I think it's very true. The one, you, the one you least want to be is the one you probably are. Oh, is that right? Yes, and I, that's true for me. I was like, oh, I don't want to be a, a six. And um, so, yeah, it, I think it's and what I think, but I think it is powerful about working about where are you broken? Because I think I've seen a lot of leadership stuff at the moment. If you can work out another language, it's your shadow side. So where where do, where do you need to grow? Where do you need to change? If you can yeah. unlock that. Wow, you can really start to see things change in your life and for others around you. Do you, you know, it's that, do you know what you're like to be around? Yeah. Oh, that's a bit awkward when you discover it. <laughs> but if you can really get to the bottom of some of that, then that can be very powerful, I think. It takes courage, doesn't it? Does. it? How long did it take you to work out that you were six? I was stuck between two, so I, st I thought I was either a one, which is a perfectionist, isn't it? Well, I like to call it an improver. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you've done there. <laughs> Do you like that? Yeah, there's two names for mine. I think loyalist is something else, so I think I've gone for loyalist. But um, yeah, so it's, it's, I, t I thought I very quickly narrowed it down to those two. But I think in the book that I read, there's there's working about, it uses the language, I'm not sure I'm a big fan of it, but it's What's Your Deadly Sin was the book I used. Yes. But it's what's your, which it's I thought was a bit stuff. strong. <laughs> but, you know, it was King, what's your, you know, yeah, what's the bit that's not working very well? What yeah. What is the lens, to use that language, mm. you view the world with? And for, um, it, for the six, it was fear. So, uh, you know, the, 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 the area to watch is, are you viewing through fear rather than through, you know, right. much healthier? And so that for me, I was like, oh, okay, yes. Knowing, you know, knowing that I could go there too quickly. Yeah. And I think whatever it was for the one, um, the, yeah, the improver, Thank didn't you. Uh, <laughs> myself there. it didn't resonate as much. So that's yeah. what helped me realise. But um, I would have been surprised if you were a one. Oh, is he? Yeah, but um, I'm also careful not to be numbering people because I think that's a dangerous it, game. Isn't it is, it? and I have to say, I have not worked with Enneagram as much and used it or with teams so much. I've used it individually, but I find it's much harder to guess because it's about what goes on underneath. It is. And a lot of us don't share that or know yeah. that. We don't hang on our dirty laundry. <laughs> no, and some people are easier to guess than others. Yes. So 
for people listening to this, the Enneagram is going to feature on the podcast. We're going to do the whole lot. We're going to Great. get people in who are the different numbers and talk about it. So we'll Wonder unpack it a bit more, but it's basically a tool, isn't it, to yeah. understand yourself better and improve. <laughs> yes. But one of my children was very obvious. We took probably the same book, The Road Back to You. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. took that on holiday a couple of years ago, and one of the kids was just like, that. I'm an eight, that's it. <laughs> yeah, when everyone went, yeah. Yeah, we knew it. <laughs> but my daughter, she's read the whole book, and she can quote all the little sort of taglines. But it did take her a long, long time to work out what she really was, so it takes a bit of a careful process. It does, and I would say, you know, I do Myers-Briggs workshops with teams, and there will always be someone, and I say, it's, well, actually a few people in the room, it takes a bit longer to find. Mm. And, and I think that's there's no, there's never going to be a personality type that, you know, encapsulates all of who you are. No. We don't want to be We're put in boxes. Easy. We're no. not that easy. So for some people, it's very clear, but I think it's just to say, if you're not sure, that's mm. fine. Yeah. Um, and go to someone who's trained in something if you want some help finding out which one you are. Yes. They're all useful tools, aren't they? And yes. I think they just help us to be better people. I think the hard thing about the Enneagram, and that's why I think it takes courage, is it does start with, you know, where are you tripping yourself up? And you don't always want to look at that part of what's No, no I'd much rather do strengths find this and yes. find out what I'm good at. Excellent, love that. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of courage, I'm yes. going to ask you, as I do ask everybody who comes on my podcast, mm. what's a courageous thing that you've done as a mum? I think it was the moment that I admitted, probably out loud, but at the same time when you externalise something, you discover it for yourself, that I, I didn't find being a mum easy. You know, I, I was like, I love being a mum, but I don't find it easy. And I think there's this, it feels like everyone else is just flying at it. And I think for the first time, you know, I was like, oh, I, I find this hard at times. I would, I would love to say it's the most natural thing in the world that I've ever done. And it, the love feels natural and lots feels natural. But I think there was a season, particularly in those younger years, where I was, you know, I needed you on tap, man. So, you, know, <laughs> you know, I was like, I don't have the tools for this. Or, you know, my parents live far away. And I was, I think just mm. the courage to go, hey, I'm, I'm not finding this easy. And I yeah. just love love a bit of help working that out I would say I'm generally quite an open book to say in this area I'm not finding this season easy mm. didn't feel an easy thing to say out loud but what I did I was like oh you know it's a bit like a weight's lifted and then you can go oh hey well I could help with this or have you tried this book and I think so to say yeah. you're not finding something easy um is 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 that always, take I don't know. I think most mums, you know, we want to look like I've got this. You know, yeah. we, you know, we want to, we want to believe it will come really naturally. And I think it, it wasn't that it didn't come naturally. And that's why I think I'm trying to be careful with my words. Like you say, I loved it. I, I flourished it in many ways, but I didn't find it easy. And maybe that's a bit why I resonate with some of the perfect you say, the improver traits because I was like, oh, I want to do this well, but I'm finding this. You know, I felt like I wanted a lot more training than I had received to kind of work it out. And I think working it out while sleep deprived um, <laughs> was interesting. And so I think, yeah, just to say, hey, particularly those younger years of, hey, I'm finding this hard. Yeah. Is anyone else? Felt like a lonely thing to say. But actually when I did, like often when we're vulnerable, lots of other people, what I found interesting is suddenly lots of people other went, oh yeah, I find it really hard too. People I'd have thought were nailing it. Really? And I think that's yeah. that's the thing about vulnerability. The more, it's a risk, isn't it? But mm. when you do it, 
then other like, hopefully it creates a bit of space for someone else to go oh yeah me too of <laughs> <laughs> you and I, I can be so relieved that it's not you know just me that's so true when we're honest it gives people space to show up I'm so grateful for my chat with Zoe. Self-care is not just a pamper session, it's a soul saver. And many of you out there will have a big mental load, as she says. And I do hope that you're thriving. But can you ask yourself that all-important question, how am I? And if you resonate with those who said exhausted, overwhelmed and busy, you'll survive for a season But in the longer term, it's best for us mentally and emotionally to consider what fuels us too. If you're enjoying The Courageous Mama, then I think you'll enjoy my book, Parenting for Life. It's called that for all sorts of reasons. Of course, we want life in abundance in our parenting. But also, do you know, we will be parenting for life. We'll be parenting adults for an awful lot longer then we'll be parenting children. Have you ever thought of it like that? The book is a beautiful, hardbound, fully illustrated coffee table style book. So you can pull out a page or you can read it cover to cover or you can just have it as a beautiful book on your coffee table or by your bed. And for my listeners, there's 25% off the listed price and the Amazon price. It's full of riches for those of you who love to grow in your parenting, who want some nuggets that are going to help you raise the self-esteem of your children and find out some of the hidden issues that can hinder our kids. You'll come away with some great insights no matter what age your children are. It's everything that I wish I'd known right from the beginning. But hey, it's never too late. And I also see people on a one-to-one basis, so if you need to come and chat through an aspect of family life where you could do with some insight and freedom, come and find me. I'm loving hearing from you. I'm putting together a podcast that addresses the questions that you've been asking me. So keep those coming. And do ping this podcast to a friend who you think might enjoy it. And if you want to see Zoe's toolkit, pop to The Courageous Mama. Everything you need to know is in the show notes. That's where you'll find the blog and be able to buy the book. Thank you so much for joining me and Zoe today. next week.